Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Sunday Social, your weekly pop culture Sunday brunch podcast. As you might be able to tell, I'm slightly ill. Um, I'll try and keep this short and sweet. So today we are discussing, do we still diet? This is something I'm really, really interested in personally because I suffered from disordered eating as a teenager and as kind of a going into my my like very early 20s, it really affected me negatively. So I bought into the clean eating trend when it was really popular and I've really noticed that since the beginning of time, we have always dieted, we've just put new names on it and I think there are new names on dieting in 2018. There's new ways of describing it, new ways of doing it, and I really wanted to explore that. So I have two wonderful guests on today. The first is Megan Jane Crabb, also known as Body Posi Panda. She is a body positive activist on Instagram. She's incredible. So we had a chat all about diet culture and especially how Instagram impacts diet culture nowadays. I then had a chat with Carly Rowena, who is... Carly Rowena on her socials. She is a fitness instructor, completely qualified, and also, and I only found this out when we sat down and had our chat, she actually helps kids with eating disorders, very young, like teenagers, between like 12 and 14, as well as part of her like voluntary work. And I spoke to her about dieting and exercising healthily and how you can approach those things with a healthy mindset, as I think personally she's one of the most respected, like, fitness influencers in Britain in terms of her attitude and her outlook. So yeah, this first interview is with Megan aka Body Posi Panda and I hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, I'm here with Megan, also known as Body Posi Panda yeah. on the internet. Hi. Would you like to quickly describe what you do because a lot of the time what I know about you or what is publicly kind of public knowledge about mm. you maybe isn't exactly your job or how True. you define yourself okay yeah yeah so I am um, I suppose I am an influencer I don't really like that word but I suppose that's what I am and I mainly talk about body positivity body image uh, eating disorder recovery and mental health um, I am a writer I have a book called body positive power and I just do all kinds of bits and bobs around basically helping people reclaim their bodies and their relationship to food and movement and all that good stuff. It's great. Trust me. <laughs> I keep seeing your book everywhere as well. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's um it's been wild. I 
I mean, I'm really, really grateful that it is like doing how it's doing. But I literally wrote it thinking like, if it helps someone, like someone who is where I was when I was a teenager, great. Like yeah. that's, that's all you can ask for really. 100%. I think it's similar to Chidera's uh, The Slum Flowers book mm-hmm. because that, again, is like, if it helps the teenage me, yes, I've done my job. And mm-hmm. again, it resonates so much more than that and so much more widely because these people, like a lot of us can relate. Yeah, definitely. That's such a good like barometer if you're not sure whether something that you're doing is right, is yeah. it going to help the teenage you? Yeah, like so simple, oh my so goodness. Effective. Teenage me would be like, wow, Luce, <laughs> you've done a hell of a lot. <laughs> but um, we're going to talk about body positivity in relation to dieting. Can I ask you, this might be a personal question, have you ever been on a diet? Yes, but not since I found body positivity. So I am... Um, I actually started dieting when I was around nine, 10 years old. Um, and I got hooked really, really, really quickly. So mm. I was clued up already because I used to like delve into my mum's magazines and I used to hear all of this weight loss talk from like the, the women in my life. Yeah. Um, and I very quickly figured out that it was not a good thing to have a body that was considered too much in in any kind of aspect. And by the time I was 10 years old, I thought I was too much in a lot of ways. I thought I was too fat. I thought I was too brown. I thought I was just too much. So I started dieting without much clue about what it would do to me mentally or even physically. Uh, And that really, really spiraled for me. And I think dieting was the catalyst of what pushed me into my eating disorder. Obviously, it's not the sole cause because there are so many. There are so many causes of eating disorders. But yeah, dieting dieting was a big thing in my life. And even after I uh, started my recovery from anorexia, I went back to dieting because I still believed that I was too much and that thinness was the way to be happy. Um, and I didn't stop dieting until I found body positivity at 21. Man, so you've done you've done the whole spectrum though. In that sense, like you've gone from the bare extremes all the way through to actually having a really positive. I hate the word empowering, but empowering relationship with your body, and that's really wonderful. And I want, yeah, I want everyone listening to have an awareness of the fact that a lot of the the core like body positive people mm-hmm. do have a history of having struggled with their weight. It's not like you're born into the world, like singing and shining and being yourself. Absolutely. There's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. And Megan, your big thing is Instagram. Mm-hmm. Instagram is where your your audience is and it's where you've grown kind of your community, I guess. Did you ever use Instagram in other ways as well? Like, did you always follow body positive people? How long, how long ago were you 21? I have no concept <laughs> of like time in terms of Instagram. Well, I, um, well I'm 25 now. Okay, and cool. um, at, at 21, I was using Instagram and I was using it for the exact opposite of what I do now. So <laughs> I was just following Fitzbo and the celebrities who I thought were the most beautiful, who I wanted to look like. And I would look at my social media like every morning to uh, basically motivate myself to keep dieting and to keep doing these extreme workouts every single day. Uh, And I had no idea that the opposite side even existed until I just like happened to stumble across it one day. Um, And I was in disbelief and I did not, I did not even want to believe that like accepting my body was an option. I was so used to dieting. Like, I just didn't think that there was another choice. Uh, so when someone was on there saying, you don't have to diet, 
you don't have to hate your body, here's another way. Mind, mind blown, just like blown. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. No, I was, I was very similar. I was a very like fitspo person mm-hmm. for a little while, especially on Tumblr. I don't know if you ever used Tumblr, but I was I like, oh, Tumblr, a terrible community in 2010, mm-hmm. like of little girls who want to get much smaller. And yes. it's just like, yeah, Tumblr's Scary. one of the worst for like thin spots, isn't it? Yeah, no, it was really and like the ridiculous thigh gap, mm-hmm. like what even rhetoric, I yes. guess, like at that point, because it was just so obviously like scientifically incorrect that you could develop one. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, no, I feel you. And then how did you kind of put? How, how did you put two and two together in a way? Because from initially seeing it, and I guess almost being repulsed, like body positivity, when you're in that space of you need to punish your body because mm-hmm. it's not right. Yeah. It's not enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, how did you get to where you are now? I am... Um, so when I when I found this body positive community for the first time, I was coming off of the back of another extreme diet and I had actually hit the goal weight. Uh, and this was the weight really? that... Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. The, the weight I thought was going to make everything perfect, right? Like, as, as we do. Um... And I remember hitting it and just obviously still not being happy (laughs) and obviously still hating my body. Um, So I think finding body positivity at that moment started to make things click in my brain of um, this is never going to make me happy. If I am not there now, when will it be enough? It, It will never be enough. And I just kind of had that light bulb moment of I don't want to do this for the rest of my life like I do not want to punish my body and diet and be hungry for the rest of my life if it's not making me happy uh so that was it that was it for me that was the like leap of well I might as well try something different then yeah oh my god that's so good (laughs) (laughs) um do you find this is a bit of a tangent I guess but like do you, how much do you know about your audience on Instagram? Like, do they message you a lot? Do they, yeah, I, yes. <laughs> I imagine they might send a lot of messages because mm-hmm. that's when you're that kind of figure to someone, they, they feel very connected to you. Mm. Um, do you find from their personal stories that they've also struggled with similar things and potentially more recently as well? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I think it's a huge range of people who are drawn to body positivity. So I, mm. you know, I have... The, the people who are currently struggling with an eating disorder and not in recovery, the people who are in recovery, the people who've been in recovery for 10 years. And, you know, I get messages from teenage girls and equally from women in their 50s and 60s who are saying, you know, I've been battling my body for my whole life. Why didn't I find this sooner? Um, yeah, and they do, they do tell me their stories, which obviously it's like it's a very humbling thing that someone thinks that they can talk to you in that way. But equally, I'm sure you have some you have experience of this as well. It's almost like they they don't truly know you, but they turn you into what they need. Yes. So you yes. are a figure. You are this not thing, but you know you you are yeah. what they need you to be, um, which is in a way wonderful and in a way quite wearing sometimes. Yeah, I had a um, post-alcohol video. <laughs> if anyone knows me from my YouTube videos, which I assume everyone does, there's like, I feel like there's my content pre-alcohol video and post-alcohol video. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah, post-alcohol video, I had to make a blanket rule of not responding to any messages again, yeah. pretty much, that were personal because it's just exhausting. It is. To open your inbox and have 100 messages about someone else's struggle or their parents' struggle with drinking. And, and like, I wasn't an expert, mm-hmm. you know? I wasn't a counsellor. Yeah, the yeah. best I could do is send people to Samaritans and hope for the best. Yeah, and this is the thing, and that putting up that boundary like that doesn't mean you don't care or that you don't want to help but you have to protect yourself exactly and I was trying to get sober at the time mm-hmm. so it's the same with you like you're protecting your own recovery yeah because like disordered eating especially that doesn't go very fast <laughs> it does I mean it doesn't I um I personally am someone who believes in recovered uh, a lot of people don't and I think that that is like completely valid whatever you believe for you but Equally, even even if like even if those things don't like jeopardize my recovery, they they still affect me mentally, like absolutely. And we gotta be careful of our like mental resources. Hundred percent. You're giving a lot already when you're on the internet and as a public figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same and to you, babe. Same to you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> right. Let's chat about dieting in general. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind talking about naming specific diets, not in your own life, but just in general? Oh, drag them. Yeah. <laughs> drag them all. Because for me, like what I think is really interesting is I've noticed that whilst we've maybe moved away slightly from the Slimming World and Weight Watchers and Atkins and Low GI, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, that those kind of diets, we've moved towards other things i'm going to specifically right now talk about clean eating because whilst that's finally died out a bit Mm -hmm. 2014 was a dark time (laughs) it was it was what do you what do you think is like the one the big one now so i think now a lot of it's detoxing Mm -hmm. and a lot of it's like the kim k appetite suppressant lollies we get that and a lot of it in general is unintentional fitspo and like and maybe even and i'm gonna say this with a huge pinch of salt because i know many very healthy vegans but there is a level of mm-hmm. um, this kind of glamorized online veganism that isn't really that accurate to, to the realities of being a vegan, mm-hmm. as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Um, I live with two vegans. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's this kind of glamorized yes. tiny girl in bikini veganism that pushes people to, to adopt that lifestyle. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think especially... You, you also see a lot of that from people coming out of the eating disorder recovery community and sliding straight into like really? militant veganism. And, you know, in, it, you've got to be so, so careful if you're recovering from a restrictive eating disorder that you're not just finding new ways to restrict. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But so that's kind of the trend I've noticed mm-hmm. is this kind of move away from the word diet. Would you say we still diet? Absolutely. I mean, this... um. This move away from diet, let's not get it twisted. This is a very carefully crafted message and method of the diet industry. And this has been happening for decades. Like the, the, so the first like big push away from calling diets diets happened in the 90s. Um, really? Yeah, and that was when uh, more research was coming out about how dieting doesn't actually work long term and people regain the weight and there's so much evidence there's so much research about that and it was just coming out around that time so this was when all the big diet industry companies started calling themselves a lifestyle change and that was specifically so that they were no longer thought of as diets because people knew diets didn't work Uh, and basically every I don't know I would say like every five years or maybe every decade they kind of try and revamp themselves 
to oh. fool people some more. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So now, um, I mean, they are they're still calling themselves lifestyle changes. Obviously, 100%. the uh, <laughs> the big one in recent news has been Weight Watchers changing its name. Has it? It has officially. I'm not sure in this country, but in the US, it has officially changed its name to Wellness That Works. Yeah. <laughs> but that's. But it's all based on like sugary substitute. That doesn't make oh that annoys me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's and it's numbers. I think I first first off, like before we go any further, I um I want to clarify that if anyone is listening to this who is currently dieting, trying to lose weight or on Weight Watchers, I don't want you to feel like you're a shitty person because you are not. You are surviving the best way you know how in this fucked up culture that teaches us like weight loss is everything. So we are not critiquing you, we are critiquing the bigger culture. Yeah, so um they they will do somersaults and jump over backwards to uh, not be called a diet. But ultimately, if they are prescribing a restricted form of eating for the purpose of losing weight, it's a diet. And if you want to pursue wellness, that is your call, that is your prerogative, you could do that. But it doesn't have to be centered around numbers. That's the thing. Like, it doesn't have to be about goal weights and point counts or calorie counts, whatever it is. It can be about things that make your body feel good and feel energized and not necessarily look different uh so yeah i mean they're not they're not fooling me i don't think i don't think they're gonna fool many people to be honest I think you'd be surprised mm. i think as well like a weight watchers target audience are people who don't care about the name mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like um what was i gonna say i had oh yeah you literally brought up a phrase that i completely forgot existed but this is the this is kind of the diet culture and exactly what you just said and i'm just gonna repeat it wellness wellness is being completely repurposed and i feel like i feel like the phrase wellness came from something spiritual Mm. like a while ago i feel like it it has been repurposed and reformulated into into books and into magic of tidying up and whatever to create a new sellable commodified wellness but i don't know and i should do some research on this so no i mean i think you've got a point i think um I think wellness in general has to include mental health. I yes. mean, maybe that's a wild idea, but like, I, I stop it, Megan. You're so <laughs> radical. And I feel like any anything that is is making you feel guilty or teaching you that you have to like keep very very careful track of the amount of olive oil you eat, like that's not really prioritizing your mental health, really. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think as well, we think there is some kind of holy diet secret Mm -hmm. and that's still perpetuated like I get I get ads on Instagram even or on YouTube being like these like big bulked up men like oh you need this one secret to shed all this weight um and it's like then it's like cuts to a shot of a guy with a bit of a stomach like (laughs) I'm like what is going on yeah um yeah but we're sold this idea there's a secret but no nutritionist even agrees on what is in inverted commas like gonna help you be well or help you be healthy yeah so i'm not quite sure why we invest in a golden secret ideal still at least according to the ads i get on stuff i'm still investing in a golden secret that doesn't Mm -hmm. exist yeah i think we all are and i think what is um i mean for me what was always the most alluring and like the most tempting thing about dieting is that it really sells us this idea that it will solve everything in your life and 
it's not just that you will be thin, it's that you will be the version of yourself that you've always wanted to be. You know, people will fall at your feet, you'll have opportunities, you'll go on adventures. Um, I, I really believed that when I was thin, I would be a completely different person, just the opposite of who I actually am. Wow. Um, which obviously was never going to happen, but that's what diet culture sells us, uh, like, over and over again with every, like every makeover show where they suddenly get everything they've ever wanted at the end, every weight loss transformation story in a magazine or online, it's not selling us just thinness, it's selling us the dream. It's selling us control as well a lot mm-hmm. of the time. There's a, I am disciplined, I have willpower. I think there's a whole load of pressure in society. Maybe this is also connected to are we dieting? We might not be, but we now have this really big pressure to be busy all the time mm-hmm. and be like really, really tough on ourselves, I think to yeah. compete in a really busy world. And part of that is, can I get to the gym at 6 a.m.? Like, can I say I'm doing that every day and have that strength in me to, like, on a hangover, go and still eat healthy? And and that kind of, the willpower message, I think, comes across a lot in body transformation stories still. Yes. They are everywhere, actually, on Instagram, they the body transformation are. stuff. They still are. That that's, is. Such a, that is, that's such a good point you just made. That's such a good point, because it's... um. Yeah, it's it's who can force their bodies to conform, like who can like fight against 100%. what they naturally are to like become this vision of strength yeah. and control. It we, is. We just associate it all as well with like laziness and it's like mm-hmm. our bodies are just our bodies. Like yeah. we're probably putting a lot of energy into a lot of other things. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I I think when I realized that I did not have the mental energy to put lots of effort into my into my at least like diet and exercise like I kind of do what I want and that's fine but there was a really long time where I my eating was questionable and I was in this world where I was like it's about me being bad I mm. think and not being and being lazy and being and it fulfilled all of those issues that I had it was mm-hmm. like oh why don't I just eat a certain way and like I'm proving to myself oh you are you do have willpower really yeah you do have this thing but obviously you don't get any more fulfilled from it. No, and that's that's the big secret. And that's what, it's so hard to get people to believe that when they're in it. Oh, because, 100%, you're blinded. Yeah, and we, we pin our entire lives on it. Like, mm-hmm. we pin everything on when I've, when I've lost the weight. And, you know, I've done it to the extent before that I've literally quit jobs so I could focus on losing weight because oh that was, like, the only goal that mattered. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it must be weird looking back on that. And do you feel like a different person to that? This is just a personal question. Like, do you ever look back on yourself and feel like, wow, I was almost unrecognizably me? Yeah. Or do you still see it as like a really, a long process of self? I think, um, I think it's a, it is a long process. And I think for me, what removing dieting and body obsession and food obsession, what removing that from my life did was not instantly transform me into a different person, but create space for me to become who I was supposed to be. Because I really think, you know, for those of us who have spent like a lifetime chasing the goal body and investing all of our energy and time and efforts into changing our bodies, I think that there's a version of us who we would have become if we hadn't have gone down that road, if, we, uh, if we'd been allowed the kind of the freedom to like develop more interests and follow things besides weight loss or stay in your job like <laughs> yes all that's that. a really big thing all that so yeah I think 
that is like a process of becoming that I'm, I'm still doing, like I'm definitely still like filling in that space. Um, and it's hard and it is long, but it's, it's a lot more exciting and fulfilling than trying to fill that space with changing my body. 100%. Yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> like, um, I wanted to quickly, like, you'll, you probably know facts like this 100% through and through already, but I read recently that it's something like only, let me see if I can phrase it right, it's like only 25% of people who are obese or overweight maybe, no, I think it's obese, have actual correlating health problems. Mm -hmm. that they aren't healthy, in inverted commas. It's like 25% of this, obviously a huge group in society that we demonize for weighing more than our picture-perfect ideals of what a human should weigh. And I, I've been reading a lot more about that recently and how weight and health really is not correlated at all. Mm -hmm. And I just want to kind of talk about that a bit for anyone that finds this and is like, but people just need to lose the weight because yeah, it's yeah. a health thing. Yes, that will be um, that will probably be a lot of people because that is that is people's initial reaction and that's what we've been conditioned to believe that yeah. you know dieting is the solution to the problem of fatness. Um, and I am um, I I use the word fat. I don't I don't use the word obese because it's a very loaded term. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. It's, and it's, well, it's BMI scales, yes, isn't it? Yes, like, and it's like it's the, it's the medical term, which instantly implies like health complications. So I use fat neutrally. You know, some people are fat, some people are tall. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same thing for me. Um, and I would say that there is so 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 much evidence about the fact that health is so much more than size. Um, a great book is Health at Every Size by Linda Bacon. I'm considering ordering it. It's on my Amazon Fantastic list. Fantastic book. <laughs> like so much literally you can't argue with the research like so much research um and yeah we truly we've been like duped we have been utterly duped into thinking that fatness is the worst thing that we can possibly be and that any amount of fatness on our bodies is unhealthy when in so many cases that's just not true for for many many reasons um but it is possible to prioritize your health in ways that don't focus on how you look you know there are <laughs> There are fat people who are healthy, just the same as we all have that one thin friend who eats nothing but junk food yeah. and smokes and drinks and doesn't exercise. Yeah. But, you know, that person doesn't get harassed because everyone assumes they're fine. I had a friend who's a kickboxing instructor and her doctor made her bring in proof because he could not believe that she was the way she was in a kickboxing instructor. Yeah, and that happens... It makes you sick, doesn't it? That happens every day. Like, the amount of fat people who literally avoid going to the doctors because no matter what they go in for they will be told to lose weight and there are like testimony after testimony of this online like you go in for an ear infection you get told to lose weight you go in for an insect bite you get told to lose weight like it's so bad yeah and even it's not just the fact that that's like a humiliating experience but actual medical issues get missed all the time when doctors can only see weight um, and there's there's stories of this of of serious serious illnesses just being ignored, and then they go beyond the point of treatment. There was literally a woman a couple of months ago who uh, who wrote in her obituary that if the doctors had actually treated her symptoms and not her weight, they could have saved her. And she used her obituary to say, "Fat women, fight for yourselves. Like fight for your right to be treated with respect at the doctors." And that just says it all, really. Yeah, it really, really does. God. Oh, right. Moving slightly on. <laughs> um, 
obviously, part of the Instagram problem with, with let's say, our, our perception of health and diet and how that influences it is influences themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about the fact that there are influences pushing people in like maybe a less mentally healthy direction when it comes to dieting mm-hmm. and weight? And do you do anything to like, well, obviously your whole channel, your whole channel, your whole like platform is combating it. Yeah. But like, I don't know, just chat about it. Cause I, <laughs> I see, I rarely see that kind of thing now, mm. but it definitely still exists. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think there's even, there's, there's lots of influencers who actually call themselves body positive while still selling people detox teas and you know unattainable body transformation plans etc etc um and it's a difficult one because if you'd have asked me that like a a year ago two years ago I would have like launched straight at these people called them dickheads like really got into it (laughs) yeah and now I'm like it's very very sad yeah and it's a shame but it's also what they've been conditioned to believe is right. Yeah, it's societal, isn't it, a lot yeah. of the time? Yeah, so I think there's a difference of, um, like, calling someone in. I think if if you get the chance to give someone, like, some resources and make them question what they're doing in a kind of nicer way yeah. than just dragging them to hell and back, um, I that is something that is important. And I've done the dragging before. Like, I have written the the indirect posts and and all of that and nothing good comes of it yeah. nothing good comes of it because the people don't change you get painted as the bad guy it's not worth it um so now when i see that stuff well i encourage people to not follow it first of all um i'm very like generous with my block button <laughs> still yeah. like to i this think day. The healthiest people on the internet are very generous with their blog buttons. Yes. <laughs> I would argue from the people I've spoken to. Yeah. What, 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 what's your reaction to when you see people doing bullshit things? Um, I often don't comment on it because I think, I think that either someone's commenting on it and I don't need to step in. Mm. I've, I've told myself 2018 is the year of not running my mouth <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> like I definitely have to kind of pace myself and be like, okay, is this worth drawing making a big scene out of Mm -hmm. um but then there's also I really do believe in karma and I believe that in and like or I see it happen at least yeah if you are promoting really bad things to people you'll something happens usually where where it falls down yeah yeah and I think um I think there's a difference as well between uh, calling out brands and calling out individuals. Oh, 100% as well. Yeah. And as you said, like, you've got to feel for these people because a lot of them don't know. They haven't. Yeah. It's it's a combination of all of their upbringing, their life, their own insecurities. Yeah. To directly attack someone, you are directly attacking a lot of their insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And if you you can reach them another way, that's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will still drag a Kardashian <laughs> um, because they're not like, I'm not going to be able to slide into their DMs and be like, babe, I babe. just don't understand with the Kim and the lollipop. I'm a big Kardashian fan. Okay. Like I really like them, <laughs> but with the Kim and the lollipop, the thing that fucks me off the most about it is that I'm like, how on earth do you think promoting that lollipop is, is worth it financially mm. because you earn so much money anyway yeah you would never do an instagram spawn again but can you even imagine how much she got paid probably but like oh. i can't ever imagine it being worth it especially 
having daughters that you never want to think that way about themselves or to starve themselves like yeah I think that's what I was really really surprised about I was like how how is there enough financial incentive in the whole world when you're already a millionaire yeah to do that whereas I can I get it if you're a smaller Mm -hmm. creator sometimes you take terrible terrible things to be able to pay your rent yeah no I think you're right and I like the the comment on that post of hers that stood out the most to me was um would you feel comfortable giving one of these to your children if they said they were hungry? Because yeah. that's what you're telling girl, young girls and, and women and people yeah. everywhere to well, do. A lot of the time as well, you're telling 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we we forget is like our audience or, yeah, in general on the internet, your audience is a bit younger than you think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I always say I'm like 18 to 24, but I get girls doing their GCSEs or like kind of pre-GCSE coming up to me a lot. Yeah. I'm sure you, as you were saying, you get everything. Yeah. <laughs> you get all... Um, and I guess as well, all genders as well. Yeah, absolutely. And specifically with that, like there's, it's such a different experience depending on your gender because, you know, we're women and girls, that's, you know, what I've experienced. And I, I can speak to that from a personal perspective. But then for men, it's, you know, this thing of they have body image issues. They're also told they can't talk about it. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not masculine. hundred percent. I wasn't aware men had body image issues until I started dating men. Yeah. Like I literally didn't know. Yeah, yeah. They just it's so swept under the rug. And and then again, for people who are outside the gender binary, that's a completely different experience of existing in your body, equally being told that your body is not right, but in a very different way. So hundred percent. It's like it's like we need we need more influencers yeah. who can talk about these things from a place of actual experience. Yeah. And because, people yeah. as well who struggle with ableism as mm-hmm. well. Like um is the word disabled politically incorrect now? I don't know. No, I think um well, it, you'd, you'd have to consult the yeah. individual, but <laughs> yeah. a lot of people I know from the disabled community have uh, reclaimed it. Okay, well, let me know, <laughs> people <laughs> who are listening to this podcast, but like disability as well plays a lot into uh, like body image issues, I'd imagine, as well, because you, you're not the norm in one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. And you're not being represented anywhere. Yeah. Um, so all those people, I guess, all find body positivity and hopefully there's enough spaces for everyone as well like there's always space Mm -hmm. but in terms of like I always felt guilty this is such a different thing but being white and then meeting loads of non-white audience members and like especially when I was starting out and being like fuck I am one of the only people you relate to Mm -hmm. where's people that you relate to more like I can't give you a lot of what would really help yeah yeah (laughs) and I remember feeling like really odd about that well, I think this is um, this is this is talked about now quite a lot in the community, but this is one of the biggest uh, drawbacks of the fact that body positivity has become more popular. In that, in a lot of ways, it's still just mimicking the kind of hierarchy that society gives us. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I, I am fully aware that I am where I am in this community because to a lot of people, I'm still like not pushing the boundary too far. You know, I'm I'm a size sixteen. I'm mixed race, but I'm light skinned. I'm able bodied. I'm young. So I'm pretty privileged as well. It sounds mm-hmm. silly, but when I spoke to Chadira, she was like, "You're pretty. I'm pretty. We follow each other because we like the way we look as well." Yes, that is and still it very much a thing. Is a thing, yeah. yeah. And that is what that is what makes it harder for space to be carved out for people who are more marginalized yeah. and people who don't have the same privileges but need to have a voice in this conversation. Um, and it's it's like that's a huge wider issue. And it's again, it's not about like pointing fingers at individual people and being like, get out 
Um, but it's about recognizing that and those of us who are in these positions talking about it, talking about privilege and saying, if you're following me, follow these guys too because they deserve to be heard. 100%, especially with the the OG body positivity people like... Um, sure probably everyone who's listening to this knows this but body positivity wasn't a mainstream movement it was fat black women Mm -hmm. who were like we're gonna take the space back right uh yeah I mean it was I think most people would consider that body positivity originated in the 60s and 70s in the US um there were a group called the fat underground and they were predominantly fat queer women of color um, and they would do things like storm Weight Watchers meetings and like really? demand to be told why these people were given a diet that didn't work. And they would like get out the evidence. They would hold like sit-ins. They would do like sing-alongs. So yeah, it, it, its roots are so radical. Yeah. Are so, so radical. And that obviously like whenever a movement gets popular, it gets watered down and down and down and down so the masses can enjoy it. So it's like palatable for them. Um, yeah, so it's so important that we know where it's come from and that we are still being respectful towards that. 100%. And that's probably where most of the frustration as well with, like, like skinny white women <laughs> co-opting the name of it. Yeah. Yeah, where that becomes most frustrating because it's like they just don't know. Yeah. And, like, it would be great if they'd educated themselves before co-opting the name. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Yeah, I mean, I th- you... It's so important that that people do educate themselves before they step in as like an ambassador for something of any kind. 100%. But also I think the big issue now is that people use body positivity interchangeably with body image and they are obviously not the same because, you know, these, um, let's say a, a thin white woman who does like fitspo stuff and who starts talking about body positivity she probably has body image issues and like every single person's body image issues are valid. Doesn't matter what size you are. Doesn't matter any other kind of body privilege you have. You can still struggle internally, but body positivity is so much more than one person's personal feelings towards their body. Cause it's about all bodies. It's a movement. Yeah. So I think it's, that's, that, that's the problem. We're not getting that clarification of, this is just about me and my body versus this is about fighting for all bodies. Yeah, 100%. Oh. Right, final thing I want to talk about <laughs> is, I don't know if we'll really have much to say on this, but something I've noticed increasingly as a conversation, specifically on Twitter actually, is about women who claim to be fitspo mm-hmm. or, or not even that, just influencers in general who sell a diet or sell a lifestyle but they've actually had a lot of surgery. Mm. And like, do you see this coming? Do you see like a blurring of lines ever with people who message you potentially or people in your audience between this like, oh, I want to be really positive in my body or I want to be thick double C. And like this, yeah, I don't know. I just I just see this stuff and find it really interesting because this was never a thing growing up for us. I don't think that... The thick thing? The thick thing, yeah. Mm. It's just not a thing for us. Um, yeah. Obviously from where I'm from and being white it definitely wasn't a thing but <laughs> it's this I like there's lots of lots of influencers have a lot of surgery and yet they're selling this ideal yes I think um it's just it's just another shift uh, like if you if you look back in throughout history throughout the last 100 years this is something that I really looked into for the book there has been a different body ideal every single decade um really? yeah so Like back in like 1890, that was the last time that being fat was fashionable. 
um, and it was a very plump but corseted ideal. Then you move on to the Gibson girl who was slender but athletic. The flapper obviously was the first like big thinness trend. Then you've had the Marilyns and you've had the Twiggies, you've had the Kate Mosses. We're now in the Kardashian era where it is slim but thick, of course, only ever in the right places. And I think what we're seeing now is just that body ideal taken to its extreme. And that's what body ideals do because basically the diet industry never wants you to achieve it. They want to sell you it. They want to make you believe you can become it. But if you get near it, they'll make it even harder to obtain. And what we're seeing now is that it's only the people who first of all can afford surgery can dedicate so much of their time to like maintaining this physique they are the only people who can actually achieve it. And yet they're selling it to all of us as if if we just work hard enough, like we'll get it too. Um, And that's how it works. That's how the trick works. And I think soon enough, once we've all spent a decade trying to get a thick double C, it will change again. Yeah, 100%. And like also a lot of the time surgery isn't disclosed Mm -hmm. and like um, I saw this really scary video the other day of um, one of these influencers, I don't know her name, Um, And I obviously wouldn't name her anyway. But um, she's being wheeled along in a wheelchair in hospital. She's like, guys, never get a butt lift. Never get a butt lift. No one knew she had one. But obviously it went wrong. Mm. Um, And she's in hospital for it. And she's like, I'm scared for my life. I'm scared for my life. Like fucking Snapchatting herself. Oh, that's so scary. And I think that... We're not being told the truth about any, any kind of cosmetic surgery. Like... The way we, even the way we refer to it as plastic surgery, makes it seem just like trivial, but it's not plastic. It is human flesh. Like it is working, functioning parts of our body that we're cutting into to change. And again, like it's not, if you've ever feel like you needed to do this, that's actually, that's not your fault. If you're listening and you've, you've had cosmetic surgery, you're not the bad guy here. Yeah, it's personal choice, isn't it? It's just like, it's quite scary, a trend where yes. nothing's being disclosed. Mm-hmm. Or And I have so much respect for the women that do disclose their surgery and their big influencers, especially like fashion influencers and beauty influencers, because it means that you, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. You mm. know, it's like clarity for your audience. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like, where does it end? Yeah, no, totally. Where I'm, does it end? It's, yeah, it's scary. It's scary and we're all just doing the best we fucking can to try and, like, survive in it. Yeah. But good lord, I'm like, uh, yeah. not to end on a negative note, but I'm scared <laughs> for the future, like genuinely. Oh my goodness! Um, but in happier <laughs> stuff, Megan does an incredible job at doing body positive commentary and posts, and I love your socials. I just think they're great. Thanks, babe. And hopefully, doing a tour soon if everything goes well. In my in my brain, it's going to happen. So. Fingers crossed. Yes. And where can, where can we find you on socials? Uh, so mainly just Body Posse Panda on pretty much everything, except on Twitter, there's an underscore because some bastard took the name. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. Do you ever see usernames? You're like, how on earth did you get there before me? Mine's so weird. Yes. I think yeah, this is because I hate Twitter and I didn't get Twitter for like years after Instagram. I mean, you're not missing out. No, <laughs> such a vile place. Such yeah. a vile place. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, Megan. No, thank you. It's been great. It was so lovely talking to Megan. I love speaking to someone who is so insightful and doesn't choose to blame other people for the way that they interpret diet culture. I find that super refreshing. And now let's move on to my chat with Carly where we kind of discuss how you can approach, let's say, diet and 
improving your mental well-being and wellness in a more healthy way. Hello and welcome back to the Sunday Social. I am here today with Carly Rowena. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. And actually having a water and a cuppa is just really nice. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> Carly's come all the way from Norwich today. Yeah. Wait, can I say where you live? Yeah. Is that fine? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No one's going to find me because Norwich is in the middle of nowhere, so you're all good. There are so many people who are influencers in Norwich, aren't there? Yeah, I think... Norwich is lovely and it's super safe, but actually there isn't that much. I feel like if you want to kind of be creative, you're a bit stuck, so you go to London. So I feel like everyone kind of went online. Yeah. And then they left me and then they went to London, but I've stayed there. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. Um, anyway, today we're talking about do we still diet? Because, and I tried to give some context to Carly earlier, because um, when I was younger, my mum just dieted a lot. I'm sure she won't mind me saying that. It was just like a thing that people did. And I always thought like, oh, but it's kind of gone out of fashion now. However, does dieting manifest in different ways? What enables it? How can we be more conscious as consumers to not buy into it? Um, so Carly, quickly explain who you are and what you do. Ooh, this is like my Tinder profile. Okay, if I wasn't married, this would be what I would say. Um, so my name is Carly Rowena and I am a personal trainer and online fitness blogger. Um, I train clients one-to-one, but I also do retreats around the world, which is probably my favorite thing. Um, we just did Kilimanjaro and we have Peru coming up, so I love doing that. That's so um, cool. <laughs> oh, it was just amazing. You learn a lot about each other when you're kind of Climbing a mountain without toilets. That's, <laughs> yep, you learn a lot. You get close and cozy. Um, and I also have yeah, my YouTube channel, which I love, which is kind of talking about lots of different things, blogs. But I also work with children in America um, who are struggling with eating disorders. Um, and I teach events everywhere where people get to work out with me. And I'm also pregnant. I should probably put that in there <laughs> in case you get a weird baby gurgle happen. I mean, if someone <laughs> met you off of Tinder and then they were like, oh. a lot. <laughs> I think I'll skip her, swipe past me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's me. And I am loving, loving life and really honored to be on here. It's good to have a little chat. Yeah, thank you so much for coming down. Yeah, you're down in my, we're in my kitchen right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can probably hear the dishwasher behind me. And she gave me biscuits, which I'm very happy about. I did. We got some gluten-free custard creams, which is great. <laughs> so I have an initial question, which is mm-hmm. totally something we should get into midway through the podcast. But actually, I'm really interested okay. right now. You do you help kids with eating disorders or teenagers or adults, I guess. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit more about that and what your your role is within that yeah, process? Yeah, so it came about, um, when I was younger, I actually had two friends who suffered from eating disorders. They both decided that they were going to go along the realm of not eating. And we were really, really young. Um, and it affected me quite dramatically because they became really sick and both were then put into care. Um, and subsequently, one of them never came out from that and the other one did, but has then kind of struggled throughout life and picking up basically what we're going to be talking about later every kind of diet after that so I knew it was always gonna be something I was going to I guess gravitate towards and people have always kind of come to me with eating disorders and then it was actually being on YouTube that I had a 10 year old girl message me who was severely overweight she was from America and um, she was really struggling with her body image and she when you're kind of 10 which we all forget you don't really have your own money you can't go to a gym you depending on where you're living you might not have space to work out um and you're most likely being teased at school which is what she was um and she just mentioned me was like what do I do because I don't want to go to school because I'm overweight and my parents are the same and I just kind of said are you cool to jump on a, a Skype chat and she was, and I said, can we have your parents in it? And it was really just a lack of education going on there. Also a lack of um, this young girl feeling like she could talk to her parents about it. 
And with eating disorders, size actually doesn't really make that much difference. You can have an eating disorder and be a really curvy lady. You can be really tiny. This, the kind of shape doesn't determine the disorder. Um, and so by speaking to her about this, we realized that she had an eating disorder, even though she was on the larger side. So I took on this family, and now I take on four families a month, and we, we just kind of do food together. We come up with plans. We have games to try and help it, and just an open forum to chat, which is like my favorite thing to do. Amazing. I love it so much. And so is that um, working within another program, or is that kind of you take it upon taking it upon yourself makes it sound like you you invite yourself in but like um yeah do you kind of do it like as a kind of program you personally yeah run? so it's one I created but I also um had some qualifications on it and I spoke to a lot of healthcare professionals um and I have a team around me of people who help um and so it's kind of created a program that seems to be working really really well and just generally yeah it's got a good success rate so that's why it's not saying I generally post online um, it's kind of a passion project, and also I, I don't think I could take on everybody. So for kind of a month is is amazing to see the like, see the change. And are a lot of them young young people? Yeah. So I have decided to work with kind of between eight and twelve at the moment because I think it's such a vulnerable age group. It is at any point, but I feel like they have less of a voice and less options. So and also they're less likely to ask for help. But actually, for us being online, you kind of feel like an online sister or yeah. an online mum to some of them, which is terrifying when someone says that. When someone said I look like Justin Bieber's mum, I realised how old they must think I am. In fairness, <laughs> Justin Bieber's mum is, is stunning. She's yeah. beautiful, but I was like, no, I want to be Justin Bieber's girlfriend. So that's what, what you think I look like. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm kind of sticking with that at the moment just because I work with the other age groups in other areas. So Yeah, totally. And when you work with these kids, or, or well, pre- pre-teen is maybe mm-hmm. a better term because you're definitely at an age where you're you're really aware of the world around you yeah. and you're taking in a lot. What do you think, just off the cuff, obviously this is probably not research, <laughs> is actually influencing these people to feel this kind of a way about their diet and their body? From a really, I mean, I was really lucky. I consider myself to be like the last generation that kind of had a childhood because I was pre-phone. I think I got my first phone at like 14, 15. The Nokia 3210 was a brick. Oh my God, was I had amazing. Had snake. Yes. It was great. Oh. Um, and I was a kid. I made like perfumes out of my dad's rose petals. I was mucky. And yeah. I, you know, we had magazines and stuff, but you could very much switch it off. Yeah. Um, but nowadays, kids have seen everything at such a young age. They're so overexposed to most things. And I wouldn't blame magazines. I don't blame Instagrammers. I don't blame the internet. I just think we are very, very overexposed to everything. It puts a lot of pressure on us from a very young age. And we start to build our own idea of what we think is perfection. And nowadays, a lot of things come with, you know, we look, used to look at magazines. I didn't know how many likes that picture had. Now, you know, you might go and look on a picture page and be like, that girl's beautiful, she's got an amazing curvaceous figure, but it doesn't get as many likes as someone who's wafer thin, and they create their own idea that that is what's what's better. Um, So I think it's just overexposure to too much, too young. Yeah, Um, and with a numerical value as well. Yeah, which is weird. It's It's the same for us, you know, like I can take a photo and it could be, I don't know, like a drunk night out, or it's a photo that means a lot to me, but you almost don't want to post it sometimes because you're like, that won't get as much love as a photo if I'm, I don't know, mm. when I had abs or I don't know, something like that. And it changes how you think about things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's happening from a much younger age. 
So interesting. And it's so good that there are people out there who are actually tackling it at that age as well, because I think we assume a lot of the time, oh, you reach 13 or 14 or 15, and then you develop problems with your body image and eating. Yeah, they no, start so young. much younger. So young. And also, it's way younger now. The, the kids are so much older from such a younger age because they've learned so much. You know, like when I was like 12, 14, I didn't know that much about the world. I didn't know what every country looked like. And I, I hadn't seen all these beautiful pictures which you're now seeing. They've cut, they learn and they know so much more than we ever did. Yeah. Um, you see these like kids that are trying to swipe a TV because they think that's how TVs work now. And you're just like, okay, we've really over, we've over-educated them in some areas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I remember seeing one of my cousins, and he was five at the time, just like using an iPad better than I could ever use mm -hmm. an iPad. And I was like, wow. Yeah. They like <laughs> fix things know? for you. The other day, I, yeah. I couldn't get into something, and I was like, I'm locked out. And my friend's, my friend's niece was there, and she was just like going through. But then the other thing I had was a really odd relationship, totally going off tangent. But I was with one of my friends, and she's got a young daughter. And this guy, as we were walking uh, through the street, she was like, that's my boyfriend. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. She's only like eight. And I was like, we're going to meet. And he was going to say, hello. No, 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 no. The boy walked straight past. She walked straight past. No one spoke to each other. You wouldn't even know they knew each other. <laughs> and then she just went, oh, he texted me and said, I look really nice. And I was like, that's the kind of world that we're living in now. That's no, so no interaction, no anything. I wouldn't even know they knew each other. But on phone, they are an item. That's <laughs> so interesting because I was very much the MSN messenger generation yes. growing up. Oh, yeah. 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 Right back. BRB. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that was how I had my first in inverted commas, like, mm -hmm. well, relationships or whatever you define as that. Yeah. With boys, you know, it was really radical. Um, <laughs> but that was still limited to a certain time of day. Like, I could come home and I had, you know, from I had computer limit times. Yeah. So I could go online until 7.30. Oh, I was even worse than that. I had, we had dial up. And I remember, do, 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 do. Were you on AOL? No, we had Tiscally. Was oh, it yeah. Tiscally? Yeah, we had that. And then my dad would be like, you've got to come off because someone wants to phone me. And so I remember that. I had that whole, you Gosh. know, if a boy was calling, my dad would be like, someone's on the phone. You could go, dad, I don't want to speak to them. You can't have that anymore. You just, yeah, yeah so it's totally different. You can yeah. just log on immediately. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And I think, well, I want to know your thoughts on yeah. what you think has changed in terms of dieting from... Mm -hmm from let's say I want to say like a parent generation or like when you were like younger and kind of what yeah, you yeah. absorbed as a child to like now and what people are absorbing now we've kind of covered that Instagram and social media is a really big part mm -hmm. of that yeah but it's like, not the only part there's lots of different things I'd say you know I grew up definitely with my mum and dad were actually very body positive which is great I didn't realize it was a thing until it was much later when I kind of got to school and realized other girls are really proud of like not eating all day and just having their dinner. Yeah. That was kind of a thing. And I remember I remember when I was kind of growing up and I was around 16, 17, it was very popular to kind of save your calories, I think, was one that I noticed a lot, which was like, oh, if you were with your group of friends, it was kind of cool if you'd been like, oh, no, I haven't eaten since yesterday. That was yeah. such a cool thing it's to say. It's my calorie count. I know how yeah. many calories are in a banana. Yeah. I, <laughs> I remember this being a thing and then everyone yeah, would just yeah. eat sweets all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I literally used to work at Face Shoes. And uh, I would save, I wouldn't have anything. We'd be out all night. Then we'd get up and I'd have pick a mix or Millie's cookies or yeah. something later on. And I'd be like, oh, that's what I'm going to have. And then save it because you're going to go out drinking with your friends and maybe have cheesy chips later yeah. on. Um, so that was one. And then obviously there was like, you know, your Weight Watchers and all those kind of things, which was generally what our parents were kind of doing. Yeah. I found. Um, so you've got this kind of diet market from, a lot does come from parents. And a lot of the people that come to me now that, have been my clients they've actually 
grown up with someone in their family who maybe even took them along because they, they didn't have an option. Yeah. So there's a lot of parents who've done kind of the Weight Watchers thing and then the kid has the same idea about sins and all this stuff and they're very similar and you watch them both kind of yo-yo throughout. Um, or you kind of have like a parent who was doing that and then a kid grew up with it and hated it and so has gone the opposite direction yeah. and maybe over-exercising or doing something slightly different but they're still kind of forming a diet going yeah. on. I'd say what's been the biggest change is that it's not cool to be on a diet, I don't think, anymore, as it was cool to be on a diet before. Um, because the thing you used to see, which I think has changed massively with social media online, is that celebrities used to have the back page, they'd share their diet that they were doing, and, it, and, and people would kind of follow it. Nowadays... There's a lot more honesty. I don't think it's completely honest, but it'll be like, actually, I have a personal trainer. I see them two times a day, yeah. and this is what I'm actually eating. And we've become more, less about diet, more about restricting the ingredients that we have. Yeah. So it's less like I'm on Weight Watchers more. I'm gluten free yeah. or I'm pescatarian or I'm this I eat kind my of flax seed every morning and yeah. I have my lemon water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what's changed because that now sounds cooler. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether that's healthier or not. It means we have, um, I guess, better knowledge because we're starting to look at things. But gluten free was probably one of the biggest ones. Oh my gosh. That, yeah. I mean, you'll know a lot. I, I just still get <laughs> asked if I'm doing it. If yeah. someone say, "Is that a personal choice?" choice. And, and I'm like, like, "I love bread." Yeah. No, the amount of people that be like, "Oh, I'm going to have a gluten free brownie because it's healthier," and I'll be yeah. like, "Just doesn't work this way." But I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And then I would actually say that probably Instagram and, and social media did change the way a lot of people felt about healthy eating because for a while there was a lot of like Instagram names with the word healthy eating in um, and it became a really big buzzword that I was eating healthy um, which is such a broad term because then balance came in and everyone now we hate the word balance because everyone's like what even is balance um, but it's kind of gone through healthy eating to balance to now mindful eating to mindful eating <laughs> to now it is almost trying not to be too much of any of those things because it's bad to be stuck on one so it's honestly been the funniest progression but i think we're now almost going back a little bit to people just eating because they are hungry and trying to make sure their plate is colorful and it has a good balance and we do the little finger thing here of ingredients People are generally taking notice now of like proteins and making sure that it has enough of those. Um, yeah. But I think it's going to just keep going round and round and round. The funny thing is it always ends up the same. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> and I was going to say as well, like you are in this industry where mm -hmm. um, you're in a fitness industry, I guess, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> online and offline. And so you must see all sorts of people doing all sorts of diets yeah. um, or or living lifestyles mm -hmm. in all sorts of ways yeah um what do you think is like really common now like um what do you see that's kind of on the unhealthy side of the spectrum mm -hmm. in your opinion and what do you see that's the kind of healthy uh so if someone was looking to follow fitness accounts what, yeah what seems to be like a healthier thing yeah so I think the first thing that most people need to think about before they even approach changing or following an account is what you actually want because so many of us are just programmed, we can buy everything we want for the next day, you know, Amazon Prime, we can get whatever we like, whereas unfortunately the body and a healthy body isn't something you can get tomorrow without doing some things that maybe aren't actually healthy. So one thing I find a lot of people do in the gym at the moment is people are training and eating as if they're going to go step on stage, like do a bikini competition. Um, 
And from someone who's in the fitness industry, I have clients who've done bikini competitions. They do look incredible by the end, but that is a one-second body. That is a body you can maintain for that moment on stage. Yeah. And then you have to work seriously hard to get yourself back to a healthy body where it's not a way to live. But I am getting emails from people all around the world who are training and eating as if they're going to maintain that body frame for the rest of their life. So one thing you have to think about when you think about choosing a way to eat or choosing a way to exercise is what do you want to be able to maintain for the rest of your life because no one wants to yo-yo all the time we want to like find our ideal body and then stick with it um and hopefully just get stronger and fitter the whole entire time so I try to say to people like think about where you're going to be when you're like 60 70 what can you bring into your life that you can continue to do so um for me everyone says like how do you stay motivated and it's not really a thing anymore like exercising and the food I eat is the same as sleeping and going to work and driving my car and walking my dog. It's not like, oh, I need to make sure that I go to the gym today because I'm going to eat a brownie. That's not how it works. I'm going to go to the gym because I love going to the gym. I love moving. I'm probably going to have a brownie later because it looked really delicious when I walked past the shop. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't feel bad about it because my amount of exercise that I'm doing and the food that I'm eating, it all bounces out to be perfect. Um, so, oh, if that sounded like a fart, that was my elbow. Just so you guys know, because I realized that didn't sound very good. I wore a vinyl skirt the other day and I squeaked on the chair oh, during yeah. an interview and I was like, there'll be no way to edit this. Yeah, no, just leave it in. So really like the kind of, I'd say the negative stuff is that people are uh, trying to aspire to what they're seeing online that people are doing, which is a very short-term goal or a short-term body. Um, and what the, the good thing that I'm seeing is people starting to understand with food and with exercise that it's not um you don't have to do things you don't like doing before we thought we had to be on the treadmill for like an hour and that we just had to yeah. live on lettuce no you don't have to do that at all if you love dancing all exercise is is moving so if you love to dance go dance salsa lesson if you um want to spend more time with your boyfriend spend more time spooning with your boyfriend that's moving like it's all it's all any way you can to just move your body. That's the most important thing. And with food, it's thinking about a whole entire day and not just that one one snack that you've had. It's like across a whole day, if I had a good range of different colorful foods that are going to keep me full. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's so motivating. Ah, thanks, babe. <laughs> um, I want to know your thoughts on mm -hmm. um, what it's like when people come to you about training certain body parts to make them bigger. Obviously, we've got this huge thing at the moment yeah. with big bums. That's oh a huge thing. And obviously you can't spot reduce when you diet. Or maybe not obviously. Maybe loads of people don't know that. But like I followed loads of fitness accounts mm -hmm. for a period of time. And yeah, you can't spot reduce was like uh -uh. a huge thing with diet. But with exercise, people are always like, oh, but can you make my bum really big? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The bum thing is amazing. I literally actually didn't really have a bum when I started. Um, and I do now have a very comfortable bum to sit on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I think obviously I probably went through the fit. I'm trying to remember now because I had a bum for a little while now. Um, but I probably get 10 to 20 emails a day about how can I get a bigger bum or this hip dip thing, which is new. Can I have a hip dip? I don't even What's really a hip I, like dip? like where you kind of have a, the side kind of goes in like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a new thing too. Um, the funny thing with the bum thing is you can't spot reduce, as in you can't go. Okay, I'm just gonna only train my bum, and I want my bum to be the best part of me. You could keep doing that, but you're going to get imbalances everywhere else and also probably a lot of problems later on. So girls that are just training bum, I'm now fixing their back and their core and their thighs oh and their feet. 
uh, and their posture. Yeah. Because actually, most of us sit down, so we're hyperextending all the time, and actually, it's going to make your bum look even more curved. Yeah. But I actually, need you to bring it. In. So there's lots yeah. of reasons why not. But in the gym, you can kind of focus on a key part of your body if you want to, but only for aesthetic reasons. You're not going to end up with a very particularly healthy body or a body that moves in a functional way that's going to help you for your entire life. So what I would always recommend doing is if your prime thought is, okay, I want more of a bum, fine. Just do two sessions that are focused on your bum, but make sure you are doing everything else as well in the rest of the week to kind of balance it out. Um, and also if you're working out properly and doing compound lifts, so compound lifts is where you're using your entire body really for a movement. So like a squat or a deadlift, if you're doing them well, you're using your bum anyway, and naturally you will get good results. So it's kind of thinking about what you want, the time that you have, and also are you putting the rest of your kind of body at a risk by just training one thing? It's (laughs) honestly so interesting to hear this because I feel like, yeah, I feel like I had all sorts of influences from the internet specifically Mm -hmm. when I was growing up and I was really, really worried about my diet and my exercise. And then hearing this kind of thing, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. (laughs) Also remember that online people do generally only share the best parts of themselves. And some people are just really lucky to have an amazing bum. Yeah. Um, I do think that as well. (laughs) I always look at them and I'm like, especially with celebrities, if you're following a celebrity for like fitspo and inverted commas, they might just have that naturally or there might be surgery involved and I think we forget that there's a lot of things you can do there's a lot of angles and lighting and leggings and oh my there are leggings that can hold you in (gasps) and lift you up in ways that you don't even know padded leggings yes oh my gosh and I've even seen padded pants for guys now which lift and push forward which is obviously handy for them it's like a push up bra for your penis but um I got the penis in um Sorry, guys. I said, like, was there any words I can't say? She said there wasn't, and I said that might be one of them. Um, but, yeah, so with the bum and stuff, just remember that, you know, everyone's genetics are very different. Some people are more susceptible to build a bum, and also you've got to remember what people do in their daily life. Yeah. If it is someone who is walking around a lot or it's someone who's doing more exercise, their bum's probably going to grow more. If it's someone who's sitting down on it all day, it's probably going to be flatter. So, yeah, you just start... Uh, Think it through. (laughs) (laughs) And what advice would you give to people who are looking for, I say, fitspiration or fitspo? Mm -hmm. That was a massive buzzword in like 2013, 2014. And I remember being so, like following all these people, realizing it was really damaging to my health. But there obviously are so many benefits to following people who are also on a fitness journey. Do you have any advice for people who are looking to healthily follow fitspo or yeah or eating food accounts I mean I kind of think it's the same with any even like with fashion and I think it's the same with all of them really is one if it's down to you following an account I think before you even think about what you're learning from this account you have to think about how an account is making you feel I regularly tell my followers to unfollow and if they unfollow me that's fine it's not like a negative thing it's just for a lot of us an image or the way someone portrays themselves can make you feel negatively about yourself. And it doesn't mean that person's bad. It just means you're not ready to follow them. So whatever the account is, if it gives you any negative feeling about yourself, I would always recommend unfollowing. Even if it is the most, the sweetest person who's posting out really lovely tips, I still think you should unfollow. Yeah. But when you it can comes, be as nice as you want yeah, in yeah. your in your captions, yeah. but ultimately if that body's making you feel bad. You can't help if you just yeah. trigger someone. And that happens to a lot of people. So I'd say unfollow. You might end up going back to them in like months later and feeling yeah. good. And that's really nice. Um, but the other thing is if you want to follow like a plan or, um, so I'd say if you're finding someone who you want to learn exercises from, 
Personally, I always recommend trying to find someone who is qualified. I mean, not everyone's going to write that on their Instagram account, but just for the purpose of getting right form, especially if you're doing yeah. weights, you can really yeah. damage yourself in that kind of thing. Um, there are so many super sexy people out there who have incredible bodies, and I'm sure their knowledge base is just as high. But I feel like if you were someone who is very interested in the fitness industry and you had a high following, you would care enough to just do that qualification to back yourself up. Yeah. I it, just think it's really important because you yeah. don't know if you're giving the wrong information. And even if they just say something like, oh, I'm an instructor, that means yeah. they've got they've got some kind so of qualification, important. right? Yeah, because like you can really hurt yourself um, yeah. doing some things. And the same for nutrition. There's loads of amazing food accounts out there. Um, but I would always say if you're trying to learn about food and what's going to be good for you, I'd try and follow a nutritionist who's going to give you it. And there's loads out there who can give you some real tips and yeah. then explore some other ones. Um and then the only other thing I think is if you're trying to follow a plan, again, try and follow a plan from someone who has a qualification or at least they've collaborated with a PT. It's got some kind of insurance, health and safety in there. Not health and safety gone mad, but just to make sure you are safe in what you're doing and you're not yeah. going to end up hurting yourself. Definitely. Just before we were recording the podcast, we were chatting about... Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't even remember if this was in the podcast, but you mentioned, and I think this is really important to reiterate, like there is no unanimously agreed nutritionist yeah. guide to how to eat. Everybody is different. Yeah, it's so we totally, we forget how unique we all are. You, There is not one other person out there that's like you. We don't think the same. We don't have the same daily habits. We don't, that, there's just no way that there is one plan out there that is going to fit every single person. Yeah. So the idea really is to kind of find things you enjoy. If you can enjoy what you're eating and you can enjoy how you're moving, that is the biggest key to success because you're going to stick with it. If you're hating the foods you're having to eat and going to the gym or doing this exercise reg regime is making you unhappy or taking up any free time that you have, it's probably not the right one for you. So just explore find people take bits learn bits and then create your own something because you will never be the same as anybody else and that's the most important thing to remember yeah <laughs> thanks so much Carly <laughs> this has been so so interesting no worries. yeah loved it it's basically if you're like oh I need to eat 30 bananas a day to oh God, to no. live your life <laughs> <laughs> um, and this person lost so much weight when they did <laughs> just try all the things that might suit you yeah I think that's like a nice conclusion. Definitely. Yay! Loved it. Thanks. You can find Carly on forward slash Carly Rowena. Yeah, on yeah. Much Everywhere. Type in Carly Rowena and it will come up. You and can find me. Carly also has uh, fitness plans, right? And yeah. do you do meal plans as well? I don't do meal plans, but there's kind of guidance and food shopping because I just, again, there is yeah. not one meal plan for each person. I don't want you to tell you to live on 2,000 calories or 1,000 calories. So it's a guidance to how to work out what works for you. Carly is just a super genuine person and I absolutely loved sitting down with her for a chat. You would never know she's seven months pregnant. I think she might be eight months now. Like, how unreal is that? And yet she's still working out every day. She's honestly a powerhouse. Obviously, each to their own on how they exercise and how they approach it. I personally don't exercise at all. My gym membership is very much buried <laughs> firmly in my bank account. So thank you so much for listening. Let me know your thoughts on diet culture and how it's manifested in 2018 on Twitter using the hashtag The Sunday Social or on Instagram at The Sunday Social Podcast. <coughs>
I have great news. We are now available on Spotify. Life is sweet. I am so happy about this. So if you're listening on Spotify, go over to the Instagram, go and tweet. Let me know your thoughts as well and leave a review on your favorite podcasting site. I don't know if you can review on Spotify or not, but if you can, please leave a review. And again, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week with another episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.